This is the third and 30 podcast. Welcome to our broadcast. It's 2021 and we're excited to be in the studio. Coach Jason Chaddock and myself, Praveen. Coach Praveen Montrepagata. Happy to be back in the studio here for 2021. Huge things in store, huge lineup in store. We're excited to get things going. Coach Chaddock, happy new year to you. How are you doing today? Hey, brother. Happy new year to you and happy new year to all of our listeners. I am great today. I'm fired up to be back. I can't believe it. We were just talking before on the podcast. I swear it felt like it was two days ago. And we said, you got 17 days left in 2020 to make something happen. And now all of a sudden we're sitting here and we're recording the first podcast of 2021. Can you believe it, Coach? It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm. I, it's so. It's so much to handle, but that's. It just shows how quick time passes, right? I mean, time moves so quickly. And how many of us thought that leading up to the to the new year that you know midnight would strike and then something amazing would happen? It's not really how it works, folks. I mean, that's why we said seventeen days ago. Start getting your plan going. Start, you know, thinking about, reflecting about how you want to make a change if that's the path you want to go on. And here we are, and hopefully you're ready for what's about to happen because there's no more 2020. We did enough no. complaining, this, that, and the other. Some of us did some reflect, some reflection at the end of the year and said it wasn't so bad of the year. Well, either way, we're out of 2020, we're to 2021, and it's a new opportunity. And as we say on this show, opportunity is everything. And there's some things that we will never go away from the book by, and that is our drive, and that is our attacking and being ready for opportunities ahead um, ahead of us. So we we took that seriously, and uh, we are definitely excited for what's to come. Um, it's 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 exciting. I mean, at least for there's so many things exciting in our lives. Period, coach. You know, personally and and uh, emotionally, but in in terms of third and thirty, man, do we got a lot of great things in store? And I mean, it starts with our first guest today, and I just can't wait to get started. Um, but before we get to that, coach, I, I mean, how, how do you? I want to ask because I I feel like when we get to the new year, there's always this you know quote unquote one way of doing things. I, I I tend to be contrary. How how did you celebrate the new year, Coach? How how was you? Did you did you stay up to midnight? Were you you know were you in the party mode? Were you in the reflection mode? Were you let's get bed early? Let's go to bed at one a.m. What was what was your you know New Year's Eve like going into this new um, era? You know, for lack of a better word. That's a great question, Coach. And you know, I can tell you that I worked on New Year's Eve and accomplish some good things here here's something that i really want people to know we don't just get on this show and say things just to say them we don't do that we're coaches we're we're trying to live by the same things that we're preaching to others i literally sat there at work i cleared out things on my calendar that didn't need to be there anymore i put things on my calendar that needed to be there to successfully kick off 2021 because i knew i was going to be off on friday saturday and sunday And I knew I had a couple hours I was leaving early on Thursday. So I literally mapped out myself so that when I walk in on Monday, I'm jamming all next week. We were able to to do a lot of things to set ourselves up to hit the ground running on Monday, January 4th. And I'm fired up about that part of my work life. Now at home, um, we were we were getting a lot of things cleaned out of our house. We were getting some things uh, set up as well to kick us off at home. 
And it's, and it's not that it was going to be some new adventure we've never done before. We literally decided we were going to junk out during the holiday season. And we were, you know, now we're just cleaning out our cabinets and getting rid of all the junk stuff that we had had. And for us, you know, we got, we got a bunch of takeout food on a new year's Eve and we just splurged as a family. And we all sat here, had some takeout food and, we talked about a lot of different things and we we're watching we're on season nine of the show smallville right now and (laughs) we're we're jammed we jammed out to episodes of smallville all night long and you know had some fun as a family hanging out and and i'll tell you we went to bed at probably about 11 15 11 30 we didn't even stay up till midnight went to bed woke up and i want to explain this when we woke up COVID-19 was still here. Can you believe that? What? COVID-19 didn't go away <laughs> because the clock hit midnight. And I, and I know we can all remember back to 99 when the world was going to end and, you know, everything, everything was going to happen as the clock switched. And you know something? Here's the deal. It's a landmark when that clock hits midnight so we can flip the calendar year. And, you know, we as people have to be ready. We as people have to have a plan. I didn't waste 17 days in 2020 as we closed out. I did a lot of planning. I got some things set up for my personal life. I got some things set up for my, for my personal business. And I got some things set up for my work business that I do. So I'm, I'm really happy with how I closed out the year, how my family closed out the year, how my workplace closed out the year. And we were able to connect some dots on some different things, which are going to help us be better in 2021. And, and that, and, and you and I, on this podcast, we closed out some great things. We locked up some phenomenal guests as we closed out 2020. We locked up some phenomenal people who are going to bring us such insight to this show. They're going to educate our listeners. They're going to talk about their adversities. They're going to go through what it meant for them to walk their journey of life. And they're going to teach us lessons. And I'm telling you right now, I don't even know how we get a deeper story than what we're about to have on the show today to kick it off. We're, I mean, we are absolutely going to tear down the walls with this one. It's going to be a great show. I'm so um, honored to have our guest here today that we're going to have on the show with us uh, talking about his journey and talking about what coaching means to him and how developing people is impactful in his life and then what those people mean to him uh, on a personal level. And it's about taking advantage of every day and, and how we closed out 2020, how we're starting 2021, how you and I are talking about not wasting a day. I promise our listeners, this gentleman is going to talk to us about not missing a day. There, there's no days off. There's no missing days. There's no, there's no waiting for 30 days down the road to start something. You start now because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You want to talk about courage, character, perseverance? Um, look no further than our next guest. We've had a lot of guests that personify those things, but my goodness, this next guest is, um, you know, and, and for those locally, they are probably familiar and probably have heard, um, as in locally in Colorado, I should say, um, know about this, our guest, and know about this coach and have been impacted by this coach. And, and you know, I, I'm glad that we are able to bring back on a coach, a current, an active coach um, to the show. And, um, you know, we are coaches and we're trying to, you know, 
connect a band of coaches together that sometimes can be separated through you know so many different things and that's why we're here with third and 30 is to bring people together through during a pandemic that's still here in 2021 here we are um that we still need to operate through these these maneuvers and here we are with a podcast where we can meet people and connect with people and build relationships um Coach Vance LaFort, former CSU linebacker, uh, played with Tony Alford, who is a um, uh, Ohio State's running backs coach now. Uh, so, and he's currently Coach LaFort is currently uh, a coach over at Fossil Ridge High School, and he's been there for over ten years now, and has had quite a battle with cancer over the past three years as well. And we're gonna dive in to. Every piece of his, uh, not every piece of his life, but kind of his journey through coaching and it, with being a father and and being recruited, playing D one football, and now uh, battling a disease unlike any other. And if you've read the articles on the Coloradoan, or if you've seen the videos, then you know very well his battles. But if not, don't turn your dial. Don't don't click on your phone. Put your phone down and just sit back and listen to Coach Lafort speak on some incredible things that I think we all need to hear and what a what better time to listen to these things than at the start of 2021 a start of a new year a fresh start a brand new opportunity to look at how to attack things when things aren't going rough because look no matter how rough it is for us right now coach LaFort has a lot more to deal with and here he is willing to talk about it and and to bring happiness to those around him and to bring fight uh, to those around him. So let me shut up now and let's bring on Coach LaFort, uh, Coach Vance LaFort, Coach Vance LaFort from Fossil Ridge High School. Joining us now on the Third and Thirty podcast is Coach Vance LaFort from Fossil Ridge High School and also a former CSU linebacker. Coach LaFort, thank you so much for joining the show. We're, we're so blessed to have you on. It's my pleasure, fellas. Great, great to be able to speak with you, and uh, great to be able to share a little information, a little time, talk a little bit about uh, God, and talk a little bit about football, and both things I love, so great to speak with you guys. Absolutely. There's nothing better than that. Let's go ahead and dive right in, Coach, and, and what we like to do, you know, we've had a, a handful of episodes, and every single guest that we have on, we want to make sure that we find out the 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 story behind where, where you came from. And if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your life journey from playing D1 football at CSU uh, to where you are today as a father and a coach at, at Fossil Ridge High School. Yeah, I, uh, I was born in, in uh, Kansas, in Dodge City, Kansas. And I moved, I was fortunate enough to move out here to uh, Loveland when I was in, uh, right before middle school. And, uh, I had a great, great middle school, high school experience at Loveland. Played for an outstanding high school coach, John Poovey, with lots of tradition. Uh, played Division One football at CSU. Uh, had a, had a, you know, it was a very interesting time, and uh, um, been blessed to be able to stay in this area. Um, my entire life, uh, have, uh, I've been able to, to work, uh, for, uh, the same company out of the same company I've been working out of from college out of, uh, with Walker and, uh, and married and have two kids, 
Uh, one is a CSU graduate, a business school graduate. He's worked with the CSU football program for a number of years. He's currently working at Fossil um, Ridge High School with special ed students. And uh, I have another daughter who is a junior at Northern Colorado. And, um, and she is an uh, outstanding student. She's on the dean's list. I'm super proud of them. And uh, I've been blessed to be married to my wife, Kelly, for uh, 31 years now. So, Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed man for sure. That's awesome, Coach. And, you know, you mentioned you're, you, you know, you're originally from Kansas and you found your way here to, to Colorado and spent the, you know, last handful of years here. And I want us to walk you through, walk us through what college football was like for you, you know, going through the recruiting uh, from Kansas, um, you know, being getting recruited from an out-of-state school, uh, maybe your experiences from being recruited of schools in, in, in state, maybe your other options and, and kind of what, you know, some of the expectations maybe that differed from high school or um, what you expected going into the college realm and what kind of stood out to you. But um, you know, walk us through that experience, you know, being a D1 college athlete. Well, you know, actually, I might, I might have, I might have confused you on that because I was actually, I lived in Loveland, Colorado, after Kansas. I moved out here right before middle school. Okay, I'm sorry. And, gotcha. And so when I, uh, when I was coming out of high school, things were different, obviously, recruiting wise and whatnot, than they are now. But it still had a lot of the same, same pressures at the t- time. Uh, the University of Colorado was with Bill McCartney, and uh, you know they were building a, a, a really good program. But it was uh, it was the it was they were at the they were at the bottom, and uh, Nebraska was kind of the big dog in this area. Nebraska took whoever they wanted, you know, <laughs> and uh, when they had Tom Osborne, and uh, so. Uh, you know, the Nebraska was in Colorado State. Uh, it, it offered some outstanding uh, opportunities at Colorado State too, because with, um, we had BYU and Utah and uh, Hawaii, San Diego State. You know, so Wyoming Air Force, kind of the same, a little, a little different, but. Uh, uh, kind of the same, but um, the recruiting the recruiting process uh, started probably my junior year, uh, and uh, you know at that time we had to actually send out tapes and films and whatnot to coaches, and uh, and then you we got in you know you get invited to the spring games, spring practices, attend those kind of things. You get uh, mailers and whatnot. And that's when they first started doing the, the camps. And I think Nebraska was kind of the forefront of it, Nebraska. And, uh, and they started having recruits out. And you'd go on campus and in the summertime or whatever before, and they would lift, you know, they'd have you lift and run and measure you and, and do all those kind of things. And, uh, you know, I always thought I was a pretty good football player. I was a pretty decent athlete. Until I went out and I, you know, matched up with uh, with everybody who Nebraska had on their recruiting list and whatnot. I knew I was close. I knew I was good, but I also knew there was a lot of other guys 
we were right there, you know, we were just as good as I were, we were working just as hard as I was and that kind of thing. So it was good motivation to, uh, to be at those camps because you could see the kind of competition, the kind of thing, you know, because I just, I just always had in my mind, yeah, I was a pretty good ball player and I could play wherever I wanted to play and, you know, whatever. And then you, you get out there and you see the competition and you say, yeah, I got to do that extra stuff. I got to do, you know, put in the extra time um, to be better. And uh, anyhow, so that was, uh, it was, it was a good experience uh, with that. And I, um, I decided, I decided I would go to uh, Nebraska. I, I didn't, I didn't get an offer from Nebraska for, uh, yeah, I was hoping to, you know, that was kind of my number one choice. And then when it, it just didn't come through, it was, it was kind of Colorado and CSU and Wyoming, kind of our local area schools, you know, um, New Mexico, those kind of places. Arkansas was actually in the, the mix. And then Hawaii, I always wanted Hawaii for some reason. You know, everybody always wants to go to Hawaii. When you're, <laughs> when you're in Colorado, you want to go, go to Hawaii. But um, anyhow, uh, Colorado State at that time, just ended up as being the right fit for me. And uh, I ended up going to CSU and it was a, it was, it was a blessing. College football, division one football is a job. It is a, it is, a, you know, it's a full time, full student athlete. You're, you're there. Um, you know, and, and these days, they didn't have the limitations on practices like they do now. I mean, they may have limited them somewhat, but we were doing three days, and it was, you know, hot, and it was, you know, <laughs> they limit the water. It was a lot of different things that they don't have now. And so practices were tough, and they were physical, and they didn't limit the hitting type stuff. And, um, so... I learned real quick that uh, if you wanted to stick around and uh, and play Division One, it wasn't just about getting to campus. Now, and getting a scholarship. Now it was about working your tail off to try and uh, try and see if you can make the make it make the team. I mean, you know, stay with the team. You know, get yourself a spot, a starting spot somewhere, and. Uh, um, and you find out real quick that it goes from, you know, being uh, activity kind of thing in high school, you know, something you really love, to being something you really love, but also knowing that it's a, it's a big business and those coaches have jobs that they, you know, <laughs> that make some money and they and they want you to you, you need to perform because they have. Uh, mortgages to pay and they got kids coming up and they have uh, and they're recruiting the next guy to replace you all the time you know they're always looking for the next person coming up and that's part of the that's just part of the deal but you find that out real quick coach I have a have a curiosity question with that yeah you're going to camps and, and then finally you get on campus and you're working hard whether it was in the camps or whether it was in, in a practice actually at CSU, at what point did it dawn on you in your mind 
to say, I fit here and I can compete against these athletes. When, when was that point where you felt the confidence that I, I, I belong on the field? Well, the first time, the first, first, maybe two weeks or so, I was just, I was getting pummeled a few times, you know, because there was was a tight end, two tight ends that played in the NFL and they were seniors, you know, and so when the freshmen said we'd go over, we'd play as outside linebacker, inside line, outside, whatever, I was playing outside at the time. So a lot of times I'd line up over these guys, you know, and stuff and whatever. And and I remember one time I uh, I got through whatever, and the coach ate their butts. The all American guys, right? He ate their butts. So I knew I was like, oh great, here we go. So maybe the next um, next player. So I they, they looked at each other. It was a double team situation. Oh no, boom! They they put me on my my back. And I was looking up at the, at the Colorado blue sky, you know what I mean? And so I was like, okay, guys, I know. And, but, and then maybe, maybe a, few, a few weeks later, we, I was in a, 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 tackling, a tackling drill, and we were going with the, with the uh, running backs. And uh, there was a kid, and he was, he was 6'2", 220, put together in California. And... Uh, Good looking running back, you know, and and it was like a it was like a tackling drill one on one kind of thing, and and he came, and he was lined up with me in the line, you know, and I kind of knew he was coming up, and I was like, that's fine. He was maybe a junior, so I don't know what he was at that time, and I was a freshman or whatever, and I hit him, and uh, I hit him, and it's, and I hit him. I heard him do that sound when you hit somebody good, and they do that. <gasps> And he smashed his face mask down on his nose and split his nose and started bleeding and stuff. And so I was like, oh, wow, I think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I just needed one couple good shots, right. you know, to where, uh, to where I knew I put the other guy in a little bit of a funky position. So oh. one second. Yeah. Hey, huh? I gotta get yeah. So anyhow, oh, that's awesome. And because you know, I we get we get kids these days. I mean, coach, you know how it is. You see it whether it was at Fossil Ridge, whether any other school that I've been at. You'll get kids junior, senior year who are getting you know D one offers, and then there's kids that are not getting those D one offers, and they get up they get upset because they feel like they can play at that level even if coaches have had honest conversations with them about, about, Hey, you know, this is really where you are. And, you know, they have trouble recognizing that sometimes. And then there's the kids that kind of fall through the cracks and you think, wow, this kid really can play D one football and nobody's recruiting him. Um, So, you know, it's certainly interesting because us as our own kind of internal uh, navigation, you know, sometimes we have trouble, acknowledging when we can and cannot play at a certain level or getting to that level and saying, yes, I can do this. And I have the confidence and, you know, building the belief in the athlete is so important. You know, that. Oh, no question. That is so, that is hard because so many kids develop differently at different times, you know, and physically and uh, just athletically and, 
it's, it's, it's hard to tell. And so many kids get overlooked, and you know that in the, in the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. They just get overlooked, and they get um, – and some are overhyped. There's no question. And I see that a lot in the um, recruiting. And uh, now, I think it's it's even – I mean, now there's so much more – the, the testing and whatnot, but still, you know, there's a lot of kids who are over, way overhyped in what they actually are. I mean, kids who, who are grinders and they're going to be great, and uh, they just need a shot, you know, or they or they've had an unfortunate injury or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've so, seen some. I've seen some great grinders get overlooked for someone who can maybe flash a bit of talent while in shorts and a t-shirt. And I keep, and I keep saying you don't play college football on a big time Saturday in shorts and a t-shirt. You play in full equipment. You're exactly right. And, and the thing is a lot of those guys, they just want the scholarship, you know, or they just wanted a shot. And, um, it's, uh, you know, and, then, and they don't want to play Saturdays. They don't, they don't put all the work, you know, it's going to take. And that grinder guy is going to grind it out year-round. You know, he's going, to, he's going to do whatever it takes to get it done. So, yeah, exactly. You know, Coach, to add on to that, a quick question I have for you is, how much do you think, you know, a kid that might be starstruck or maybe shell-shocked by going to that D1 atmosphere and then has no, you know, idea or expectation of, you know, what to – what he's going to see there. How much do you think that has to do with the kind of the preparation process in high school itself, whether that be in school or, you know, from coaches or the program, how much do you think that correlates, you know, between a kid being shell shocked, going to that D one and be like, Oh my goodness, I wasn't ready for this. or didn't expect this. How much do you think that is affected by what goes on in high school and that preparation process? Oh, there's, there's no question. You're exactly right. Depending on what kind of program you're coming out of, it's night and day. I mean, I, I, I was very blessed, fortunate to come out of an outstanding high school program. So I was more prepared for the D1 atmosphere, the D1 work, uh, you know, the athletes, as opposed to, you know, some kids who come out of programs that are not that type of, uh, uh, you know, they aren't those kind of programs. You know, and a lot of kids who I played with, I played with a few kids who are from Creek and Mullen and, you know, whatnot. And, and, they, and they were they were prepared a little differently than some of, you know, some of the other kids who were coming from programs that weren't just because, you know, those programs were able to provide a lot of uh, um, expertise and, and experience with working with kids who went on to D1. And, uh, you know, you could tell through their preparation and just, you know, the ease at some of the things they did. And uh, and so it, it definitely makes a difference what kind of high school program you be coming out of. Now, Coach, I'm going to take us a, a step backwards in time, so to speak, because we, we've kind of fast-forwarded and had some great conversation about about you know, athletes and what it takes and talking about the grind and stuff like that. I have the distinct honor of living a, uh, a past experience coaching with you. 
So I had the distinct honor of being on the field with you, watching how you impact others and watching, watching what you bring to the table because you, I can only imagine how you played because I got to see you coach. <laughs> so, so I, I, I've been honored in that regard. And, you know, when I look back, I actually think of all the conversations we've had over, you know, probably five years now, I've never asked you this question and I'm so excited to hear your answer on it is what led to you coaching? Because I, I love football. I do, but I love impacting kids, young men's lives for Christ is my, my path. I want to be able to impact their lives so that they are better fathers, husbands, friends, because life is tough. Life throws a lot of curveballs at you. And as a husband, you gotta you gotta step up and support your wife. You gotta be there. And I make mistakes every day with that. You know what I mean? But it's just like football. Every you got to down, you got to fight, you got to get up, you got to keep going. It's with your with your as a father, you know you got to be you got to be there for your kids. You got to be a leader. You got to be, um, but you also have to be self aware. You have to be able to to know what's. You have to be coachable. You have to be able to do these things. Say, hey, I'm not doing this right. I need to take a step back figure it out, help them out, you know, as a friend, you know, you have to be able to reach out to your friends, your other men, put your arms around and support them. You know, it's that iron sharpens iron. That's what it's about. I mean, that's why I'm in it because you only got a few days on this earth, right? We have eternity ahead. We have a few days on this earth to impact what we can. And if I can use some of my talents, whatever, to help, you know, reach out to kids, parents, um, fellow coaches, whatever, I'll, I'll try and do that. Plus, I love football. there's nothing wrong with loving football that's i think that's the one thing you can tell with someone that played football and now is coaching is that passion for the game um and it's so important and there's nothing you know what i what i find with football is there's nothing like football because football is the one sport and other sports have the ability to do so but i find that football has this innate way of teaching you life while playing the game um and has this way of you know you're, you're able to teach the game of life through this through this game of football and what better way to do so uh, than to play a game you know and 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 to learn it that way and I think I, I when when a kid grasps that idea and is able to grasp it at a young age I mean it's it's impactful to the kid and it's impactful as a coach to see that that change happen I'm sure you've you've uh, experienced that yourself and there's there's no feeling like it am I right you're exactly right coach you're exactly right. And those bonds that are formed on a football field are lifelong bonds. 
I mean, you know, you guys are younger than I am, but you know, if you look back on guys who you played with, guys who you did, there's still a connection there that you guys have. I mean, I, I guys from my high school, I can still call, you know, and we'll, we'll talk or whatever, and we instantly were back at that time. I mean, my high school coaches, I'm still in contact with, and we, you know, we talk. And uh, um, my guys who I played with at, at CSU, I mean, we, we're on our, our, our uh, group chat, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the time. You know, there's, there's three or four guys, um, you know, Sanjay, Fred, Brad, and we're, you know, and we all got stuff, life stuff going on that we now, you know, we can step in and help each other through. Um, but we would never have that bond if we were just in English class, <laughs> you know, or we just, somebody <laughs> I had in science, you know, because you just don't live that, uh, that lessons that football teaches you and that the hard, the, the, the trials and the hardships and the, the joys and the victories and, you know. All that stuff is is irreplaceable, and that football provides that, you know, provides that opportunity for us to have, be able to to help those kids. I love that you brought up the word opportunity. We love opportunity here, so that's it's so huge when you get that opportunity. Opportunity is everything, and that's what we we love to say here, Coach. You've clearly positively impacted so many people in your life now. I think we can all easily say that we'd be here without the other people that are in our lives ourselves growing up from a young age and our, our circles these days as we're older. Who were some of the mentors or leaders that you looked up to and were impacted by growing up? I know you mentioned some of your teammates from college. Um, I'm sure that obviously those are lifelong relationships, but who were some of those coaches, leaders, mentors that you looked up to growing up and that you still kind of follow or look to today? Yeah, you know, and that's so true. It's so true because everybody, you know, who's most everybody who's impacted my life in mentor-type roles has been my coaches, you know, and specifically my football coaches. I mean, I played football, basketball, baseball, and whatnot through high school. And, uh, but, you know, it really started in middle school, with my middle school coach um Wes Mason and the first coach I had in middle school was a good coach and he was trying you know he was doing his job and he was whatever and then he quit or he left or whatever and we got a new coach came in the next year and this guy was the real deal he was awesome he came in he was from the south (laughs) I just remember he said he was this big old guy played defensive line at Arkansas or somewhere. He said, now you fellas, he said, football is a contact sport. He said, if you don't like contact, you play ping pong. Ping pong (laughs) is a non-contact sport. So if you don't play football, you're going to have some contact. Anyway. We ended up going, 
we ended up going undefeated. And we just, you know, we ran over everybody. And, and I never seen him again. He left after that year. His wife got a job in California or whatever. So. But I still remember him. Mm-hmm. And I still remember him telling us every night, you know, this group of middle schoolers, you know, if you don't want to play football, you go play ping pong. <laughs> anyway, so, but he was a great mentor because he taught me a lot about that. He gave me confidence in myself. He recognized some things in me that I had not recognized athletically and other people had not recognized. He gave me opportunities to have success. And then in high school, uh, Coach John Poovey, uh, Loveland High School's head coach at the time, he coached there over 35 years. Um, outstanding man who uh, he, he ran his program. He's on the cutting edge of lifting and eating and nutrition and film and everything. And um, I think he ended up winning five state championships. Um, wow. Um, I know Loveland just Loveland just he set the, the the track for Loveland there, and they they were just in their 15th state championship this year and won their seventh. So, and uh, you know he modeled everything after Nebraska and the way Nebraska was doing it at the time, and Tom Osborne, and um, it uh, it worked. But he just was a tremendous leader, character man. Um, I mean, he still talks to me this day, and uh, I still sit down here on the couch with him, and we can go over whatever, and it's tremendous. And uh, Coach Gene Alvin, too, my defensive coordinator at uh, Loveland, he provided me with uh, opportunities, and he saw he saw opportunity in me and put me in positions for success. And um, I know... You know, as in life, a lot of times your success depends a lot on the people around you and, the, you know, the opportunities that they – I mean, it depends on you, obviously, but getting the right the right fit and the right people and the right situation just means a lot. And uh, I definitely had that at Loveland. And, um, and then uh, when, I, when I got into my uh, – my working career, Max Walker, who was the founder of uh, the Walker Mowers, this uh, um, tremendous, tremendous man who uh, lived his life by faith and by uh, uh, just was able to be a leader, a servant, humble leader. I mean, this guy was the inventor, founder, everything of a $50 million a year company. Mm-hmm. And he would wear, he would, every day he would wear his cowboy hat and jeans and whatever and just come out and talk to you and talk to you about God and family and, you know, whatever. And, you know, he would come, come over to your house, whatever. It's just, but it's just a humble leadership and what, how that makes a difference. And a commitment, a commitment to Christ, and being able to have that is uh, being able to model somebody like that was invaluable in my life, and I'm thankful. I'm definitely thankful for 
uh, he's, he's long since, long since passed. But that same value is stuck in his kids, in his grandkids who are running the company now, and how that, how the whole uh, company operates. And I've been blessed to be able to be a part of that, and a part of that environment for a number of years. So I, um, I'm thankful for that, for sure. Coach, it's, it's interesting to hear you go through some of these people that have meant so much to you. And I know for a fact how much you've meant to so many people. I know I know two phone, two phone calls specifically that I can recall having. One was when I was making a really difficult decision to leave Fossil and go to Poudre High School to coach. You and I had a, had a great conversation then. And, you know, you're... You were absolutely unhesitating in saying it's the right move. And, you know, God has a plan for you. That is an amazing group of guys there. You're going to fit in perfect. You're going to impact those kids. And I want to thank you for that because it was such a difficult decision to leave the base I had at Fossil and the relationships that I had established with those kids and the parents. <clears throat> and and Fossil is not an easy school to coach at. It's not. Uh, you've been there for a very long time, and I think that bodes to the man that you are and the relationships that you build with those kids because those kids leave there, and they all remember Coach Lafort. They all, they all look back to you for the wisdom that you've given them over the years. So for, for all that, I want you to know how grateful I am for you to have been a mentor to me and, and that impact that you had on me. And, and I, we, we still talk now just the same as we did when I was coaching there, nothing changed there. You're a man of your word. Um, you, you walk the line that you talk to others about walking. And, and that is to me, that's the ultimate uh, leadership there is to be able to say, no, coach Lafort does that. He doesn't just tell you to do it. He does it himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I greatly appreciate you and all the lessons that you've taught me over these years and uh, very grateful to have you in my life. And, you know, now we're going to take a really deep dive now. We're, we're, going, we're going deep in this one because I think, I, I think to know the man, you have to know his story and what, he's, and what he's gone through to overcome, to understand your belief in Christ and to understand what he means to you and, and how he powers you through and the strength that he gives. I, I think you need to know, a listener needs to know the, the story. Um, you've, you've inspired me, not just from the mentorship, but from the way you live your life. That's been an inspiration to me. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I can't remember exact date. It, it's probably been, I think about four years now three to four years that you've been in a pretty big battle personally um, with, with cancer and, and fighting this battle. Um, you've had some enormous obstacles to overcome, um, some real scares that have come forward. And, you know, what, what I want to go through with you now is it, talk to us a little bit about, about your journey through this um, the obstacles you've had to overcome, what gave you the courage to keep fighting? Because there was, t- there was moments when things were bleak. What gave you that courage to keep fighting through and where are you today with things? 
Well, thanks, Coach. I, you know, it's thank you for your kind words about me and uh, our relationship. And I've been blessed. I've been blessed to have you in my life. And uh, you know, and I was I was so proud of you when you went over to Cooter because I knew that was the right move, and I knew that was going to be a good fit for you because I love those guys over there and they've been nothing but outstanding to me and my family for years. So, and I, and I, and I know the move back to Ohio is going to be great for you. It's, it's going to blossom. And, uh, I know that. Um, and so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that relationship with you. And I, and I know the impact that you had on those kids at Fossil was huge. And uh, you had lots of relationships, but I, but I, I, I knew that the Pooter was was the right move, and uh, and I'm, I'm glad that worked out for you. But you're right; it has been it has been four years, three years of um, some really intense uh, battle with the gastric cancer. And um, the only reason that I'm here, standing here today, is by God's grace and by the prayers of family, friends, people, loved ones. People don't know me. People praying for me. Because there's no reason I should still be here um, standing. Other than that, other than God's grace. And that's first and foremost, I cannot take any focus away from him because he counts my days and he will number my time when it is time. And uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for being here. I'm thankful for uh, the prayers of, of everyone and his, his healing powers and grace. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it really started probably, you know, three, four years ago, and I, I'd started losing weight a lot more than I, I mean, I usually use a, lose a little bit of weight in the football season, and uh, I had lost more weight than usual, and I wasn't eating uh, what I usually eat, and um, so I went and got checked, and they had diagnosed me with some uh, gastric uh, issue, gastroparesis, which was different, obviously, than, than can You know, it was a, and they did biopsy. They did a call, you know, they did some, uh, they found that they, they didn't see cancer. So they had said I had gastroparesis. And so I was taking medication, different things. And this went on for about six months, and I just kept losing it, losing it, losing it, getting worse. And uh, my best friend was like, dude, I, we got, this isn't, something's wrong. You, you know, this isn't working. He said, so he looked up the, the best place in the world for uh, what I had. And he came up at the Mayo Clinic in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. And number one, world's number one spot for this. So we went, and uh, it was booked out till 
this was like in August, maybe into July, and it was booked out until November would be the first chance I didn't get a chance to get into the Mayo Clinic. And so we started praying and praying and like within a week you can call back once once a week in case they have any openings. They uh cancellations you can you can get in and uh, you can you know try and get replaced. Anyway within the first week back I called back in the time I was able to call in and there was an opening. There'd been a cancellation. And I was like they needed me out there in two days. <laughs> and the um I'm thinking to myself, I got all this stuff going on, I can't I can't get two days, you know, back and forth and whatever, get to Minnesota and and the woman on the line goes, These don't come open. She said, You need to take the appointment. These just don't come open. So I was like, Duh, I'll take the appointment. And so she I we got the appointment to go to the mail clinic. My wife and I flew out to Minnesota. Uh Came back and they started doing testing on me. They did tests and they did uh, scans and whatnot. And uh, I came back in and they, they called me up. I was in the middle of one of these tests and they called me in. I was in like four or five days of testing. And they called Kelly, my wife, and I up to the office in, uh, in the mail, this giant building at the Mayo Clinic. And uh, the the surgeon doctor comes in and he's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I have some, some bad news. It's uh, cancer. We found, you know, cancer. And um, you were misdiagnosed, sorry, you know, previously. So, and he said, I don't know. I Right now, I don't know how bad it is, how far it, we have to do more scans and stuff before I can tell you. Um, you know, how far you are, how far along, and whatnot. So that's one of those moments that really hits you hard, square between the eye. You know, that's a, that's a full-on, you know, smackdown. And uh, it, uh, it was everything, you know, that uh, we uh, I just, anyway, it was tough. So we went a few days... We had some more scans, and uh, we went a few days, and we came back, and they put me on a treatment plan to uh, to to uh, to start back in with um, uh, my treatments and whatnot. And anyhow, I ended up coming back home, and uh, we started. Uh, my chemo treatments and whatnot, and that's when, and that's when I had my stomach rupture. Uh, a few weeks later, into that, and, uh, and that's the point I almost almost passed away there. Just thankfully, by the grace of God, um, they were able to do surgery, emergency surgery on me, and. Uh, and, and save me, but I was still, you know, battling cancer, 
I had a stomach rupture. Um, a lot of a lot of different things going on at that time, and um, so it was all these things that uh, all these things came on at one time, and uh, and I was still trying to get through my uh, my chemo time and uh, radiation. I followed up with radiation, and they 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 had a plan that I would go back to Mayo for some evaluations in December. This happened like in September, once I healed up from my ruptures and whatnot, um, in early September. So then in December, I, I headed back up and uh, they were gonna tell me if they thought there was a possibility that they could do surgery and be able to remove the tumor and uh, um, so I went, so I went back in December, and they said um, they did some more scans, and they said they were gonna they were gonna give it a good shot. He felt really good about removing my tumor. Uh, they would have a shot in May, um, but I'd have to go through radiation in uh, February, January, February, March, and get ready, and then. April, May, they were going to try and, and do surgery back up at the Mayo. So I came back home and I did, I did my uh, chemo and my radiation back here in that winter. And I was preparing to go back up to Mayo for my uh, surgery in the spring. And uh, I went up, Kelly and I went up. And um, the day before I was supposed to have surgery, I went in and they scanned me. And I came back in for my pre-op meeting, had all my pre-op stuff ready to go. And they said uh, they saw some suspicious fluid areas and uh, they couldn't do surgery. They said they, they, they needed to biopsy and take some tests on those. Areas, so they they ended up doing some biopsies and tests, and sent me home. So I went back. I, no, I think I guess I stayed there. I stayed there because they, they couldn't get me back into surgery for another two weeks. So then I came, so I stayed there, and uh, two weeks later they came back and they were going to do my surgery to remove my tumor. And uh, they said that it, the, the stuff that they were being concerned about, the uh, fluids and the other areas were okay. They came back negative and uh, we're gonna, they're gonna go ahead and give it a, a shot to remove my tumor. And uh, so we were all very hopeful. We were all very hopeful. I was it the best place in the world, best surgeon in the world, uh, taking care of me. Um, so we were very hopeful that I was going to get uh, a tumor removed and get on, you know, with my life. And um, got up that morning, basically ran over, ran over to the where they were doing the operation, and uh, I went in. It was supposed to be an eight-hour surgery, 
and I remember waking up in the recovery room and looking at the clock on the wall and noticing that it was only been an hour and a half, two hours. And so I was like, that's not good. So I uh, came back, My they, they wheeled me back up to my room, came around and stuff. My surgeon came in and he said, they couldn't access the tumor. They couldn't get to it. He said they tried for an hour and a half, whatever, and they just couldn't cut through the scar tissue that had built up. I had scar tissue built up from my rupture and the surgery that had, they'd done to uh, um, save my life earlier in the year. But had, I just developed this scar tissue buildup and they couldn't get through safely to get to my tumor. So, obviously, that was a real uh, setback. But, um, but since then, you know, I've been I've I've been back on some I've been back to some chemo time and back to some uh, some different time that they that. They continue to scan me, and I and I and I have actually been improving in, in the last scans and whatnot that they've seen. They haven't been able to find uh, the tumor, so they're thinking that you know. And I've been off and I've been off chemo now for six months, and they haven't been able to find the tumor. So praise God that you know. Hopefully the radiation and chemo and everything else that I did previously preparing for the surgery is killing that tumor, you know, and God's killing it. Um, and in the midst of this, I, I have, they have, I've had some issues with uh, some stents and some tubes and other things, feeding tubes and whatnot that's been put, put in me and stuff I battle with every day just to, to get through the day, you know, to get through, uh, that, that is going to, uh, that, that I'm praying that God takes it to where he, he heals my body so that I don't have to have a feeding tube. He heals my body so that the cancer doesn't reappear, so that he heals my body so that I can proceed, you know, with a quote, normal life. Um, and he's brought me this far. You know, I don't know why he, uh, why, why, I would be a fool not to look to him now as far as he's brought me. So I would be foolish um, to uh, doubt his power and his grace and his uh, strength um, so, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm feeling positive about, you know, the directions. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come to put it one day at a time. It always is anyway. God's mercy is his grace. 
everything is one day. You know, man is one day. The mercy's one day. All this stuff. You know, we put anger to bed in the evening. All this stuff has to be for one day. And we can we can get through this day. Boom. We start the next. Boom. Praise God. We got another day. And uh, and that's where I'm at. And I'm, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that situation. So that's probably more than you wanted to hear. <laughs> no, I mean, Coach, I... That was incredible. You, uh, it's 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 hard to put into words what's going into my head, but all I could say is you're an inspiration. Um, I appreciate you diving in uh, really deep into, into everything you've been through. I mean, I I know for us sitting here, me and Coach Chaddock, I mean, that's you know, I I don't know if something something we you know I could endure myself and and to see your perseverance and your grit and you know that it seems like that football mentality kicks in. Um, right when you needed it most and uh, you're truly an inspiration and it's uh, and uh, you know we, we 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 send prayers all the time your way and even from afar as I read uh, um, as I'd read articles or hear about you know through the football community about what you're going through and it's uh, it's truly been a um, an inspiration to just you know be to be be able to talk to you right now and have a conversation with you and and I'm truly blessed that you're still here and able to to share your story and still impact impact lives and um you know the, the one thing I just keep thinking of is how inspiring it is and um I, I truly appreciate you that was um I, I I wish you all the best and I'm definitely on your side and praying every every chance I get well thank you so much coach I appreciate that and it means a lot because it works. It's true. It does. I mean, God's power, healing power, is the only thing that works. And uh, and I'm thankful for that. And, you know, if there's any inspiration, whatever that can be, um, thank you. But it's, it's, just, it's just inspiring to see, you know, young guys like yourself and Coach Chaddock out there doing what you do because you love the kids, because you love the game, and because you know how it's changed your life. You know how it's going to change their lives and the lives that they're going to impact in the future. And, I, and I'm grateful for that because, because I know there's a lot of coaches out there who don't think that way. And I've seen it. You coach long enough, you see good coaches, and you see some that aren't so good. And uh, so I appreciate that. You keep keep grinding, doing it the right way. Coach, I, I really, I really appreciate you sharing all that with us. It, it's it's inspiring for everyone to hear. And, and you know, I'll, full disclosure to the listeners: I mean, we were we were trying to get Coach Lafort on at the end of 2020, and I'll, I'll use your words: by God's grace, it didn't happen because it wasn't meant. That story wasn't meant to be told yet. Because I don't think in 2020 people were ready to hear that because everybody thought this magical button was going to get hit and the world was going to change, you know, at 12.01, you know, January 1st, 2021. And that's just not the way it works. There's not a magical button. And I'm, I'm actually 10 times more excited to have you on as our first guest of 2021 <laughs> to share this story of inspiration and hope. 
because you are what drives us. And this story is about attacking the damn day because every day you have to attack the day because you don't know if it's your last. And we talked, the last show we did, we talked to our listeners about there were 17 days left in 2020. Don't waste them. Don't use 2020 as an excuse. Don't use COVID-19 as an excuse that you can't do anything. There's things you can do, even if it means staying at home and doing them. And, you know, the message to our listeners now is, is, is that. I mean, you've shown us that it's not just about one thing. It's it, There's a whole lot of things that go into this. I mean, you've been going through this for years to get to this point. And, you know, that the further disclosure on this was you and I had exchanged some text messages. So the news you just shared, I actually knew before the end of the year. And let me tell you the excitement that lit up in my family's eyes when I shared the news of, they can't find a tumor in Coach LaFort. Let me tell you, and, and you know, Boo's first reaction was, does he get to have a cheeseburger now? <laughs> that was... We'd sit there and the, the, the cheeseburger smell would come down right over the top of us at the CSU game. Dang right, we're going to have a cheeseburger. That, that was his first reaction. All cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll be one <laughs> you know coach LaFord I can't thank you enough for for sharing with us today and also for being a guiding light for us and and showing us that there is hope there you know in challenges in adversity there's still hope and you just got to be positive and you got to believe that you can get through this and building that network of people around you that have that same belief we don't need the negativity the negative people can just, they, they can go join a different group. We don't need that. We're about building positive relationships here. And we thank you for being a part of this with us today. It means a lot to us. And, uh, you know, we're certainly, we're excited to hear your news. It's been a long journey. There's still a journey ahead. This is a great landmark in this journey, though. And, and we're happy for you. We're praying for you. And uh, we love you, Coach. Thank you so much for being with us. Amen. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, Coach. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Big shout-out to Coach Vance LaFort uh, for joining us on our first episode of 2021 what a way to get it kicked off what a guest to have on what an inspiring uh man to have on coach leader husband father uh and fighter and it was just uh, there's not much to follow up here with just a big thank you to coach vance lafort i'll be sure to you know grab you next time i see you out there i promise i will coach i uh i mean when next time i see you, i'm gonna grab you and say hey um and that's the great thing about this podcast is being able to build those relationships. You know, it's it was really just refreshing to hear him speak as such a kind-hearted, soft-spoken man. And and he obviously has a lot of love. It, does not, it doesn't seem like there's an ounce of hate in his heart. And he just he wants to help. He wants to inspire. And he's he's a man of God. And he believes... Um, he believes in what he believes and he's, he's passionate about it. He's passionate about everything he does. And, and, you know, my quick message to everyone, and I want to keep this as short as I can is, 
is if if you listen to this interview and are wondering what to take out of it, it's it's go attack your day. You really don't know when it's going to be your last. We say, we we say it like it's like it's a cliche statement, but how deep is that statement? Think about all the high school players, coaches that are listening, players that are listening, parents that are listening that have seniors. And last year playing high school ball, you had no idea 2020 was going to come. You had no idea that it was going to be a, you. Every game that you go out there is going to be your last game. Well, what if you put that in the game of life and you sit there and you don't know if that day is going to be the last day that you are living? And Coach LaFort has dealt with that for three, four years now, and that is over a thousand days, 1,100, 1,200 days of living as if it could be his last. And here he is with us today and, 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 and with great news letting us know that there isn't. You know they haven't been able to find a tumor, and hopefully that's the case for the for the next year, and that he can, you know, go back to his normal life. But quit wasting time, quit whining about the person that cut you off, quit whining, quit worrying about whether this person or that person is going to say something or not say something or do something. Go live your life, because in the end, all you can control is that is what you do in your life, and you grind every single day. You don't want to waste time. You waste time, you don't know if it's going to be your last. You're going to sit there and regret it. You're going to sit there and regret the fact that, ah, all those days. I've said this before on the show. It's been a while. I'm 27 years old. I have a lot of regrets in my life. I don't don't like that. I don't necessarily like that. Everyone makes mistakes, but it's different to have regrets. I wish I did things a lot differently. I no longer live that way. I grab opportunities when they happen. I make sure I grasp every moment in stride, and I I live that way. And that's because at a a young age, I I don't like having this many regrets of, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this there's no point in dwelling over it. Move on and, and live your life because you don't know, you don't sit there and prepare for cancer. You know how, Coach LaFord doesn't have that football mentality playing college football and beating up on dudes as a linebacker sitting there. This is going to prepare me for when I get cancer. Absolutely not. He lives his life every day because of how gracious he is as a human being and what a kind-hearted man he is and how, how driven he is and how passionate he is about impacting lives and the game of football and he lives and his family and his beliefs and that's that's what drives him and and here he is older than both me and you coach Chaddock still still driving it doesn't stop when you get to your 30s it doesn't stop when you get to your 40s I said this a lot too my dad does crossword puzzles every single day he's 62 years old they don't stop in life your life always keeps going you got to stay with it and there's no point in, in whining complaining or quitting on things because of what comes in life because it's always something tougher. There's always something tough that's going to hit you, so you might as well be ready for it. And I know that dragged on a little bit, but that's the best way I could say it in a shortened way. Coach Chaddock, your thoughts? You know, I, I leave that conversation. I entered 2021 having the exact same thing. Quit the BCD, everybody. BCD, blame, complain, and defend. Mm. Blame everyone else complain about things and then defend all of your actions towards it. We need to get rid of this. I wrote about it in a special New Year's or New Year's Day blog I posted yesterday. I'm telling you, we as a society, we need to get over all of our inabilities to attack the day. Some people look at attack like it's a bad word. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Let's get away from the niceties of every word. You know, Deion Sanders got criticized the other day 
because he had made some statements about uh, we need to quit being soft. We need to quit being soft as a society. We need to quit being soft on our kids. We need to raise them to be able to overcome the adversities that they're going to face in their life. You know, they can't crumble if they get told no. If, if, if someone's going to crumble because they get told no, it's not a mental health issue. That's a lack of any mental strength to be able to overcome any type of adversity. And how the heck are they ever going to take on something like cancer? We need to get diligent on understanding the difference between true mental health issues versus having the mental strength to overcome adversity. There is a huge difference. Let's work together as a society to get this figured out because 2021 is the year. Quit waiting, people. 2020 is gone. It's in the rearview mirror. It's passed. There's no more excuses. That's actually literally what I wrote about. It was 2021, no excuses. Literally what I wrote about. Attack the day. I'm always fired up to be on this show with you, Coach P. Uh, having Coach LaForde on was a blessing. What a be- I-, I cannot think of a better way to start 2021 than having him on teaching us through his adversity, through his mental strength, through his belief in God, teaching us to attack the day because you literally do not know if tomorrow is going to happen. You don't know. You literally don't know. There's car accidents. There's cancer. There's people ODing. There's people being killed by people. There is various natural disasters that take place. You never know when one is going to strike where you are or when heartbreak is going to strike. Attack the day. Hit your drive. Have a passion for something. I hope this inspired the listeners as much as inspired me because I can tell you what, talking to Coach LaFort made me realize that I need to be stronger and I need to attack the day better and there's more to it than what I've been doing already. You know, I was sitting here after we, after we got off the interview with Coach LaForte, I was sitting here telling Coach Chad up before we recorded this post show is, I don't know if I'd be able to go through what he went through. And that's me saying, I got to be better and I got to be stronger and I got to attack things a little better uh, in my life. And I might think that I have a proper way of doing it and maybe I'm better than some. And But obviously, I, I, after talking to Coach LaForte, um, it inspires me to, to drive more and, and as, as we record this on the second day of 2021 and whenever you may be listening to it yourself in your car or at home, wherever you might be, I, I hope that it's the same for you that no matter and it should always be that way. Always strive to be better, always find ways to strive for greatness and, and always f- see you know you always reach for a higher star. You know, you go for perfection, you'll end up with excellence. And no one's perfect, but if you aim for it, you're going to end up with a pretty solid result. So I know, you know, I, and I'll, I'll say it on air so it's a, it's, a, it's a promise so people can hold me accountable as well as I hold myself. Is I'm gonna, I, wanna, I need to be better, and I'm going to be better. And so um, that's my goal. And, and thank you, Coach LaFort, for kicking off 2021 for the 3rd and 30 podcast in, in an ex- extraordinary way. So um, we hope you enjoyed this first episode, first edition, obviously we got way more to come. We started this show in the middle of 2020 and now we get a full year to start the, to go through this podcast, the entire year of 2021. So we're going to give you the best content that we can give you to 
help you find your drive and help you attack your drive as much as you possibly can. We are we are one that uh, we are ones that sit here and 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 preach drive, and we're not going to stop doing that. So um, we're going to do the best we can to 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 give you the strongest drive possible. Now remember, quick recap: drive is determination, rigor, inspiration, victory, and excellence. Okay, it is an acronym that you can follow, and if you follow each one of those steps, you will find your drive, and you can be the best version of yourself that you can be. Shout out Mamba Mentality. Coach? I got one more thing. I'd like to thank Coach Dabo Sweeney <laughs> for ranking the Buckeyes the 11th ranked team in the country because he didn't feel they played enough football games. And the Ohio State University will be playing in the national championship game versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. What a matchup. O-H. I-O. I mean, I what a matchup. Can't wait. Roll Tide. O-H-I-O. I mean, uh, you know LeBron James going to be chirping. You got Nick Saban, the, arguably the greatest coach in college football history, going for another chip. And and after LSU wins it last year, you know Alabama's going to want to get their title back. But Ohio State with a statement, putting a statement, man. You want to you want to fire up your, your team? Go ahead and fire up your team. But just understand that you're going to fire up the other side too if those comments get out. Coach Dabo Sweeney lived that. He talked too much, didn't prepare enough. And that's a big thing. It's a thing called balance. It's a thing called balance. It's okay to talk, but make sure you're going to prepare as well. Um, thank you to everyone that listens. This is the Third and Thirty podcast. Um, if you want to support or donate or anything like that, reach out to us on social media at the Third and Thirty podcast. We are in process. We're in progress. In the process of creating a website. So hopefully we'll have that one-stop shop for all you guys to get all your third and 30 needs. Maybe some merch in there. Who knows? Maybe we get some merch in there. I don't know. All right. Upgrading in 21. I don't know. We already Obviously, our listeners notice the music. So hopefully they, they notice we're making some steps. But um, we appreciate every one of you listening. Coach Vance LaFort, thank you so much. Once again, we have, welcome on the show anytime you please. And um, we'll make sure to get you that cheeseburger. ASAP. So, um, Coach Chaddock, as always, thank you so much. I am Coach Praveen Machbagata, and this is the Third and Thirty Podcast.